0: Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. Thanks Benj. Um, it is so good to be here. I travelled down from the freeway this, well, this afternoon, this morning, and it's been so long since I've been to Long Jetty. And I was just sharing to Benjamin that uh, I used to have a job selling weddies up and down the coast to surf shops, and I'd always come into Long Jetty Surf and then go for a surf at North Entrance with uh, the guy who used to run the surf shop there. So it's bringing back all these kind of memories. But man, Long Jetty is pretty cool now. Like, there's like some... I mean, you might think that, but it's like there's some coffee shops and it's great to be here at The Clam. I've heard so much about The Clam and there's a real vibe. Um, Yeah, so Ben just asked me to share about Sabbath. And so um, our Bible reading is going to come from Leviticus 25. So if you want to earmark, yeah, if you've got a Bible or have it um, kind of primed in your phone, we're not going to read it right away. Um, but we are starting this series on practices. And I don't know about you, but practices kind of has this kind of these different connotations. When I think of practices, I think of like practicing really hard for my music exam in high school, you know, to get really good to, for my recital. Um, or I think of, you know, practicing a golf swing Or maybe you practice like a yoga pose, you get it like perfect. Um, And uh, at Bel Air Baptist Church, we're kind of a a, a smallest church in UE, Uh, we kind of talk about similar things, about spiritual practices. And we've got two key sayings around practices. Um, The first one is around spiritual practices is practice does not make perfect, right? Practice does not make perfect. It's, It's not, the idea is not for you to perfect a practice like a golf swing or a yoga pose, but the practice is a means to experiencing the living God and loving others around you. It's a means to something else, and so uh, you know Sabbath is that. And there's like different seasons of practicing Sabbath, where where you're killing it, and it's everything's working, and it's like you know everything. And then there's other times when it's just a total write-off. And so the the art of practicing spiritual disciplines is not to become perfect at it, but to encounter God. The other thing around practices is that. Um, What we practice shapes who we are. What we practice shapes who we are. And that's the spiritual practices in your life. But also, it's like brushing your teeth, you know, before you go to bed at night. I'm assuming some of you do that, you know. It's when you go to bed and when you wake up. And they have profound, like, way of shaping us. Like, I've got two little kids, and I don't know about you guys, but when Daylight Saving changed, like, it's one hour, and it totally changed our world. Like, and I'm like, half asleep in the middle of the day. It's like messed with my circadian rhythm, and like, and it's messed up. You know, the practices that we do actually shape you and me more than we realise. And so, uh, Sabbath practice is probably one of the hardest practices to do. Um, but it's also potentially one of the most life-givings. I need to confess that um, I've had seasons of practicing Sabbath really well with my wife, Joe and our two kids. And we're in a season where we haven't been practicing that well. And it's really hard. And we're looking to recalibrate how we do that. So preparing for this week has been really uh, good for me personally, spiritually, to kind of reorientate um, back to this kind of ancient practice of Sabbath. And I don't know about you, if if you're in that space too, maybe Sabbath is something that sounds really archaic and religious and, you know, something that people did in the dark ages. Or maybe you're like a Sabbath guru and this is like, bring it on. Um, But as I was reflecting on Sabbath, and I'll just go to the first slide, two kind of images came to my mind um, in my life around Sabbath. The first one is the one on um, your right, my left, is I the first year of marriage, uh, myself and Joe, we thought it was really cool to go house sitting for a year. You know, it's kind of like backpacking through Europe, except without the backpacking through Europe bit. You go from one house to another, and we stayed of the house of a Jewish storyteller in St Ives, Sydney, right? And there's like it's like one of the biggest Orthodox Jewish centres in New South Wales, and we realized on Saturdays when they practice Sabbath. All of, all of them would get in their Jewish gear and walk to synagogue, you know, because, you know, jumping in a car and doing things, that was against some of their Sabbath practices. And this would happen religiously every Saturday, Saturday morning, and the whole kind of suburb would change. And, and seriously, that's not a picture from St. Ives, but it was very much like that. You have particularly these guys walking in their suits with their tassels of their hair. And it was like this kind of surreal cultural moment. The other time is this photo that I took at a Sabbath retreat about 10 years ago. And you'll notice that this is the time before filters were invented. And it was this, this kind of Sabbath retreat at a monastery And they gave us a disposable camera and they asked us to kind of sit and reflect for a a few hours in silence and just to take photos. And that's actually a bigger photo where I was sitting in this monastery, I think it was in Barawa, and I saw the kind of crucifix in the distance and I'm like thinking, you know, or, you know, spiritual. I'm like, this is beautiful. You know, Jesus is hanging on the cross in, under the tree in nature. And I took this photo, unbeknownst that there was a speed sign right in front of me. And when it got developed, this kind of picture became a hallmark for me. And kind of it's, God kind of spoke to me through it in that, that actually that God's timing and, and pace and rhythm is sometimes, or almost a lot of the time, different to my pace and rhythm. And so that photo has just been a kind of a spiritual marker for me. And it's so connected to Sabbath, isn't it? Because Sabbath talks about how we use time. It's a practice that instructs us to use time in a particular way. A whole day, one day a week, to set aside to be totally vulnerable before God and before others. And so time is this really interesting thing. If we look at different cultures, you can look at how they use time. You learn a lot about that culture. I was in New Guinea um, a while back, and I remember that we were with a team and we were at this big youth rally and we were kind of the the visitors, the guests of honour, and the youth rally was meant to start at 9 a.m. in the morning, right? And so us being, you you know, Western, you know, prudent christians we turned up at quarter to 9 ready you know because we were the guests of honor the service didn't start till 10:30 right and we were quickly told this is island time this is not western time and so church starts when everybody turns up right and so different cultures have different time use different time differently. And so I'm just thinking around our time and culture in in Australia, on the East Coast, and the way way we use time is kind of like we spend time, we manage time, we maximize time, you know, we we use time. You know, that's very telling about time. Time is money, right? So we have these different words and, and we kind of use the same words interchangeably with how we use money. We manage money, we use money, we spend money. You know, so there's this idea that time is something to be maximized and used. It's costing us something, which isn't bad or good, but it's it's a very interesting observation, right? So when we set aside time, it's costly for us, and we're thinking about like all the other things we could potentially do. The other thing I notice about time, particularly in my own life, is we're divided. Our time's divided all the time with our with our friendly friends that sit in our pocket you know, these screens that are so close yet so far away. You know, I've been away on holidays for the last week and, you know, I can be checking the Celtic schools in Scotland, my favourite football team, um, trying to buy some clothes for my son, connecting with old friends from school, um, checking the weather and what's happening in the news and trying to be fully present with my family all at the same time. And so we've got this kind of division of time, right? And the beautiful thing around Sabbath is Sabbath is this kind of holy time. It's this holy time where we actually carve out a weekly space where we are fully present, we are vulnerable to God and to the people around us. And friends, that is countercultural. That is going to grind with you and me as you start to practice this. Just remember, practice does not make perfect in this, in this situation. So uh, Sabbath, as some of you might know, is part of the Ten Commandments. It's the fourth commandment. Uh, it's uh, recorded in the Ten Commandments twice in the book of Deuteronomy. It's the only practice that is commanded in the Scriptures it's the only practice that is commanded in the scriptures, and if you read the accounts in Deuteronomy, um, Sabbath has like a, a bit of like heaps of words around it, an explanation around it, um, different to the other commandments, and so it was actually uh, given to the Jewish people to remind them of who they were as people of God and who God was, right? And so it's this ancient practice that has been given to the Jewish. People, uh, the word Sabbath is the Hebrew word Shabbat, it literally means to stop, right? To stop doing what you have been doing, and it's often associated with rest and celebration and delight. So, often in the scriptures, when you read the, the word Sabbath, it'll be often connected with Sabbath rest or Sabbath celebration or Sabbath delight, and so those words are often associated. With each other, and it was a full day weekly practice. And in the Jewish tradition, it would start on Friday night as the sun was coming down, and it would end on Saturday as the sun came down in the afternoon. And it was a practice that reminded the Jewish people of who they were and who God was. And it was based off, most of you probably know, the account in Genesis 1. The Genesis crea- creation story, the origin story, where God Himself, in this kind of rhythm for six days, creates everything. Right? You, you remember how it goes. You know, the first day he creates light and darkness. Second day, uh, there's water and land, I'm pretty sure. Third day, he, he creates animals and birds. And it goes on and on. And he creates man and woman. And then the seventh day, almost the climax of the thing, what does he do? He rests, he stops. Now, think about that theologically for a second. Does God, the omnipotent, all-knowing, all-encompassing being of the universe, does he get tired? Of course not. But he rests. He chooses to rest, right? And so this beautiful practice of Sabbath is actually mimicking what God did as he created the universe. And so these Jewish people, the Jewish community, this is how they were to remember that they were people of God and who God was. But, and there's a bit of a but, Sabbath practice is even more than just one day a week having some rest, focusing on God. And uh, as you read through Sabbath, through the scriptures, it becomes so expansive and so large. And so I was going to focus on the, you know, the. Uh, the Deuteronomy passages as the Ten Commandments. But then I stumbled across this passage in Leviticus. If you want to open your scriptures, uh, this is Leviticus 25. And we're just going to, I guess, read along and we'll go to the next slide. So Sabbath is kind of expanded here. And so you've got this situation where Leviticus is one of the holy books, right? It's one of the part of the Pentateuch. And uh, so many times in the book of Leviticus, God says, I am holy for therefore be holy. And there's all these rules and laws around what do you do for ceremonies? What do you do for um, how do you run your city? Uh, how do you run your government and that kind of thing? And so Leviticus has all these kind of rules, right? And the Jewish people have come from Egypt, and what were they in Egypt? Slaves. They were slaves. They were slaves. They were on someone else's time. They were defined by seven days a week for generations, working as slaves, building the Egyptian empire. And so this is absolutely revolutionary that they've started to do this Sabbath thing, right? And so this, uh, this part in Leviticus 25 is just after the holiness code. And uh, let's, let's read it together. While Moses was at Mount Sinai, the Lord said to him, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you have entered the land that I'm going to give you, and the the land itself must observe a Sabbath rest before the Lord every seventh year. For six years you may plant your fields and prune your vineyards and harvest your crops. But during the seventh year, the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. It is the Lord's Sabbath. Do not plant your fields or prune your vineyards during that year and don't store away uh, the crops that grow on on their own or gather the grapes from your um, unpruned vines. The land must have a year of complete rest. But you may eat whatever the land produces on its own during its Sabbath. This applies to you, your male and female servants, your hired workers, and the temporary residents who live with you. Your livestock and the wild animals in your land will also be allowed to eat what the land produces. So if you follow, the Israel, Jewish people have been instructed of a new way to live, right? They're instructed to keep the Sabbath every week, one full day. And then this expands into like a bigger Sabbath. Once every seven years, the land, the land is to actually have a Sabbath as well. Right? What does that look like? Well, you've got a, you know ancient agrarian culture um, who work their land. That was their bread and butter. They tilled the land right? and they traded it amongst themselves. And so can you imagine that if someone was to come and tell you, look, can you just halt your business and what you're doing, your livelihood, just for a year and just let it kind of, just let it play out and see what happens? This is the instruction in Leviticus 25. And and, and God is saying to Moses that there's a connection with this Sabbath, this resting, this stopping with the land. And so the individuals who are practicing every single week and the community of Israel practicing every single week this Sabbath and now applying every seven years a whole year of Sabbath. And there's this beautiful picture where you see actually God, the people, and the land all practicing Sabbath and stopping together. Do you see that? There's a beautiful connection here of God, the land, and the people. Because God cares for the land. It's his land. He cares for his people. They're his people. And so there's this beautiful connection, right? It's not only that between God and the land, but then also there's this this kind of view of equity, so the male and female servants, the cat, the dog, the livestock, the wild animals, the foreigners, potentially refugees who have come from different places, who are kind of camping on your land. Everybody eats the same thing. This beautiful view of equity. right? The haves and the have-nots are kind of leveled and eating together off the land. It's this kind of total restructuring, right? And this is connected to this practice that we're talking about, Sabbath. If you read on in the next kind of 10 verses, even the whole chapter, it goes to an even greater level. God says to Moses, okay, every seven years you do this big Sabbath of the land, but then every seven times seven years, this is 49 years, if my math serves me correct, you have to have a mega Sabbath. It's a mega Sabbath. It goes for almost two years, right? And what happens on this mega Sabbath is the land that people own is returned to the original owners. Think about that. How would that work with the property market, right? You can't be a property mogul in ancient Israel because every 49 years, you have to give the land back to the original owners. And this, is the, this, this was meant to affect the whole economy, Right And how close you were to this 49, um, it's called the year of Jubilee, the year of release, how close you were to the year of Jubilee depended on how much you rented. So if you bought uh, or rented off someone's land and it was six years to the year of Jubilee, that would affect your rent price. If you rented land two years in, after the year of Jubilee, you still had like, what, another 47 years to go. And so it was this kind of self-regulating thing. But not only that, in this mega Sabbath, depths. Debts would be cancelled. If you were struggling with debt, you had to pay people back. When the Jubilee year came, this mega Sabbath rest, it would be wiped clean. Man, does that sound good? (laughs) I I wish I was in that space. Right. Does that sound good around property prices? Can you imagine that, right? Imagine that happened on the east coast of Australia, you know. Um, Newcastle's catching up to the central coast We're a little bit ways to go. But man, it is hard to make a living. It's hard to just have a roof over your head. And what the profound thing is, is the context of this passage is crouched in Sabbath. Sabbath rest. Now, what's really interesting is if you check the history of this kind of Sabbath year, um, we don't actually have any historical accounts or biblical accounts. There's maybe in Kings that, that... the Jewish people actually practiced this mega Sabbath, the year of Jubilee. So we don't actually know if they got there. And think about it as well. If you are living in someone else's empire, you know, the Roman Empire, as Jesus' times happened, it's very hard to institute something like that when you've got another governing body overseeing you. And so um, over the years and the generations which came from this kind of Sabbath instruction, there was this longing to actually practice this year of the Lord's favour, this jubilee year, which never eventually came. The prophets of Isaiah would talk about the one who is to come to bring this mega Sabbath year, the year of the Lord's favour. And they would hope that one day their people would be released. All connected to Sabbath, Right? So if you think, if you're an ancient Jew, you're practicing Sabbath one day a week, you're not only reminded, oh, I'm getting a rest and I'm connecting with God and I get to go to synagogue uh, on, on the weekend. You're also reminded that there is going to be a time when someone is going to come, maybe the Messiah, to bring in this year, this mega Sabbath rest, where people would be released from dead, where the land would actually have time to breathe and lie fallow. And I'm connected to all of that. It's such, it's such a deep, beautiful practice, this practice of Sabbath. And we'll skip through to a few slides, maybe three or four, with a picture of Jesus on it. Then enters Jesus, right? One before that. Jesus, a Middle Eastern, middle-aged, celibate rabbi, comes on the scene. What does he do? Luke chapter 4. The famous chapter, he opens the scroll of Isaiah and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. I've come to proclaim good news to the poor, to heal the sick, to open the eyes of the blind, to set the captives free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's that mega Sabbath. That's like a hyperlink to that. And then Jesus walks around and he heals people on the Sabbath. He gets scrutinized by the religious leaders. Because he's doing work on the holy day of the Sabbath. And if you know the scriptures, you know the New Testament scenario, you know the religious leaders of Pharisees, they put rule upon rule upon rule, particularly around Sabbath. In fact, today there's 39 different laws that prohibit practicing Jews to do different things on Sabbath day. And so it was like that on steroids in Jesus' time. And so the religious leaders were trying so hard to keep this Sabbath, to keep the rules. But in the process of doing that, they missed the spirit of what Sabbath was actually all about. And so you have Jesus entering and actually modelling and demonstrating this kind of year or Sabbath release during Sabbath. So he goes around healing people. The Pharisees you know, hammer him. And so Jesus responds in saying, Isn't Sabbath made for man, not man for Sabbath? He does in Mark's version. Or he'll say, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And so friends, as we are practicing or getting into practicing, Sabbath rest, this beautiful rhythm. Can I say that it's more than just a day off? It's, it's, it's more than just connecting with God personally and others. It's those things, definitely. But it's connected to a hoping and pining for what Jesus actually promised, the year of the Lord's favour, which will one day come in its full totality. Right? When we think of Sabbath that way, it becomes kind of like a recalibration of, of our reorientating our minds and our thoughts around what Jesus is doing, what he's promising to do, right? I mean, think about the land, the environment on a, a global scale. That, that, that can make you pretty anxious, right? You, you have to Google that for a certain amount of time to think that, man, we have to build an ark or something, you know. You think of property prices and debt. You think of world debt, right? In the majority world, most African countries owe more than 10 billion dollars to all the richest countries and they can't pay it off. You think of that being released. Again, you think about those things that that is riddled with anxiety, right? But actually practicing Sabbath rest reminds us it's not actually our job to change the world. It's the work of God and Jesus and his return. Yes, we participate. We participate in alleviating those things, but ultimately God will come and alleviate those things. It's this beautiful kind of insight. So, as we close, um, I've just got kind of two focuses, figured out two slides in. So, there's two kind of aspects that I broke down for rest practically, right? The first one is to stop and rest. You are called to stop and rest. So, whatever you've been doing for most of the week, this one day is, is different to that. And that's going to potentially look different to different people. But what are the things that we say no to and stop doing actually creates an environment for saying yes to other things, right? So Sabbath is stopping. And it is resting. It might be physical rest if you're physically tired and just having a nap. But rest is actually resting from what you were doing that whole week. And like the land, it's laying things fallow for other things to emerge. Do you know, like ancient agricultural practices that once... once every seven years, leaving the land fallow is starting to become common practice today because it actually shows that when you leave the land fallow, the soil, it does something with the pH. I'm not a farmer, so forgive me if you're a farmer. But the soil and the pH actually changes and becomes a higher quality. And so it actually becomes more productive when you leave the land for a period of time and leave it fallow. When we stop and Sabbath, we're kind of doing that as well. We're resting from our work or what we do regularly, and within us, things are starting to heal and to, to change. You know, you've ever been in a creative project where you've got to, like, you've got to come up with this solution, or, you know, there's a problem you've got to solve, and then all of a sudden, you're doing something completely different, like hanging the clothes on the line or driving, and the idea just pops into your head. It's like, I didn't even force that. What the heck's going on? Stuff like that happens when we stop, when we let things follow. So we're stopping and resting. The other uh, bit, next slide, is we're feasting and embracing, like the ancient Jewish people. We come together around food, around connecting with others, around connecting with God's world, in a good way. Um, often this is kind of a, this is called kind of holy sensuality, right? John Mark Hamid talks about holy sensuality—the things that make you feel and and around God's world and God's people, like good food and good things, that's actually a good thing. And that's a good thing to do on a Sabbath day, right? So there's feasting. And it means, like Ben said before, it's communal. It's not a solo thing. You're doing it with other people. You're including other people. And it's also obviously embracing. Embracing God. Embracing the creator and sustainer of all things. And it's being fully present to him, warts and all, not being divided and fully present to others around us. And what does that look like? It looks like praying individually and together. It looks like coming to a community gathering, worship gathering weekly and doing this together. And So friends, as I close, I just want to commend this kind of practice to you. There's heaps of good info out there. There's heaps of practical things to do. But when we stop, we're not just doing it for an individual rest time and quiet time with God, though it is that. We are participating and kind of yearning for God, Jesus, to return and to make all things new, to create a big, mega Sabbath rest. Amen. Amen.